go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 2, and we will be taking up at verse 1 this evening. Now, uh, Hebrews is a fun book, isn't it? Uh, I don't know if you guys have studied Hebrews before. Um, It it is a fantastic book, but I want to give kind of just a, a very quick overview of what we are what we have studied so far uh in this book in this epistle uh because it's it's critically important because at verse one through verse four in the book of hebrews is the book of it's literally the the paragraph of application for chapter one okay so we've been given a bunch of information about the 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 jewish god about the hebrew god about the christ the messiah we've been given all this information about that and then now that we have all of that information about god all all wrapped up in one little package then it then we begin chapter two verse one of therefore and it's the only thing it's the it's the first time uh within this where all of a sudden it it switches to we instead of they and him and and god and and now it switches to we and so it's saying therefore we so this is the part where whoever this author is whether it be paul or apollos priscilla there's all sorts of conjecture out there honestly i don't care but whoever they were as they they focused our eyes on the lord they're showing us all these truths about god and who he was the messiah and what he was to do and who he was to be and now he says therefore or she they say therefore and that's what we're going to begin tonight so before we do that i just going to want to sum up uh really quickly uh what we saw about god in chapter one so number one you know it is god it is elohim it is in the beginning god the creator god the god who created the heavens and the earth the one who said light be and light was that god see they spoke to the fathers in the in the in the old days he spoke to moses he spoke to the prophets and all that but now he is spoken by his son and his son is the appointed heir of not some things but all things and not only that but all the worlds were made by him the the book of hebrews literally gives credit to jesus as the creator as the one who is literally wielding the the universe into existence okay not only that but he is the brightness of the father's glory and the express image of his person when you look upon jesus when you hear his thoughts when you touch his heart you touch the heart of god Okay, that we learn uh, in chapter one. Not only that, but he is upholding all things by the word of his power. He is the one who is literally, he's the atomic glue who is holding every atom of our universe together. And um, not only that, but he is the one by himself who purged our sins from us, right? He was the one who did what the blood of goats and bulls could not do, but the Christ, the sinless son of God, was once and for all, he died on the cross for us that we might be justified. And after that, he sat down at the right hand of majesty. And I tell you what, not just anybody gets to sit down on the throne of God, okay? So not only that, but he, he has, being God, also made himself a little lower than the angels. He became a man, but then after his, um, his death and resurrection, he was exalted again. Um, up, he, so he's greater than the angels themselves. Not only that, but he has received a more excellent name. Um, God has called him son uh, multiple times in scriptures, and uh, not only that, but he says, um, let all the angels of God worship him. Not only that, but he says that um, God calls him God. He says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, so he's eternal, and um, he is righteous, and he hates lawlessness, and um, not only that, but he says, in the beginning, uh, 
God, that's Jesus, uh, laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens were the work of his hands. And now listen to this. It's, the, again, the, the eternal nature of Jesus, of the Son of God. It says, they will perish. The universe will perish, but you remain. And they will grow old like a garment. Like, think about that. You know, when we look about, out at our universe, we see it growing old, don't we? Right? That's entropy. That's the law of entropy. It is literally winding down, and it's getting old, and it's beginning to fray and tatter at the edges. Our universe is not as young as it used to be, and it's not doing as well as it used to either. Right? You look at our food. How much nutrients is left in our food? Not much. Right? It's all winding down. It's getting old, and it's withering away. And he says that the universe is going to grow old like a garment. He says, and like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But listen to this. But you are the same, and your years will not fail right these are all things that we that we look upon and and upon the living god and upon jesus christ his son who is god and god even calls him god um and and to us that might sound strange in our ears but again they are the eternal god right they're the the three persons but it is one god and, and jesus calls the father god and god the father calls jesus god and i'm sure they call the holy spirit god too you know that 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 is their relationship one with another and yet we, we have this this incredible picture of who jesus is the the eternal god and therefore we come into to chapter 2 verse 1 therefore and, and let's go ahead and read it therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. Right? This is the word that we have this evening. This is the application of chapter 1. When we look at the face of God, when we look at this incredible, omnipotent, omnipresent God who created all things and holds all things together, right? in the fact, in the, in, in the light of all of that, we come to this application, right? that we must take and give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Let's take a moment and pray over this text before we dig in. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you that, that your word speaks of you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you that in all of these things, Lord, we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Lord, we have everything we need for correction, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness. Lord, we thank you that, that you do speak to your people through your word. So, Lord, we just invite you here this evening. Lord, we pray that you would speak to your people, Lord, that the gifts of your spirit would be here and present And Lord, that you would just guide us through your word. For it is in Jesus' name that we come. Amen. Amen. All right. So, application. I I love it when when the author of a book actually gives the application, right? They just just jump right in with the application. Usually that's part of the thing, like as a pastor, you have to do, you have to kind of like, okay, what's the application this evening? Well, tonight it is application. The whole study is the application uh, of the light of the truth of who God is. So therefore, we, and see, see how it makes it personal now, right? It's we, it's not just they, but it's we. It includes us, that we reaches across the millennia to us. And it says we, therefore we, because of these things, because of who God is, because of what Christ did and where he is now, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. 
right? We, we have to pay attention. We have to take these things serious. We need to take the things of Scripture. When we read the New Testament, when we, when we read through the Gospels, and we've almost completed the Gospel of Matthew on Sunday mornings, right? We're almost there, right? Do, do we really take those things as truth? Do we, do we really believe them? Do we really walk in them, right? Because we must. We must take the more earnest heed. Now, I think this is really kind of fascinating because you know, we, we as Gentile believers, you know, we kind of come in, especially being in, in Orange County, you know, it's kind of like, oh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll try out, you know, this, you know, this church or I'll try out that, you know, we do what we call church shopping or, you know, maybe it's like Christianity, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a taste and just kind of see. And, and, and so we, we kind of come in and then when we settle in a church, maybe it's because, hey, you know, they got really comfortable chairs or, hey, you know, they have a really good worship team or, you know, you know, gosh, you know, that, that, that preacher is really fiery and I kind of dig that or, or, you know, something like that. There, there may be something that draws us there. Where it's like, wow, there's a lot of young people, and that's really fun. Or there's a, they have a lot of children, or a great children's program. And there's a lot of different reasons why we can settle into a church. But those reasons might not be that we have heard the word of God and are responding to the word of God, right? And so, it's important at this moment when he, when we're reading this, that we, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Who is the author speaking to? Right, this is an important aspect of this because who is he speaking to? Because when we just kind of put this, you know, like in our time frame right here, right now, it's kind of like, oh, you know, a lot of us have been in church our whole lives. You know, some of us got saved later in life. Some of us have like the bad testimony. Some of us have the really good testimony, which is, hey, you know what? I've known the Lord my whole life. Praise God, you got the best one, right? But who is he speaking to? Now, obviously, it's, it's applicable to every single one of us, but he is directly or she is directly speaking to the, the, the Hebrew church, right, to, to, the, to the Jewish believers that have given their hearts to Jesus Christ. And um, that's something important to understand. Why? Because do you know anybody more fiercely religious and devout people than the Jews? Right? I mean, seriously, when you think about like absolutely steadfast people who like, man, they're going to stick with their traditions no matter what, right? It's the Jews. I mean, have you ever heard of any people that for 1900 years were without a country and yet held on to their own language, held on to their scriptures, their spiritual identity and all of that? It's unheard of. It's never happened before. And it in itself that the Jews are still in existence as a national body is a miracle, Okay, so we're, he's talking to the Jews, right? He's talking to these people who are absolutely, fiercely, religiously dedicated to their traditions, to their scriptures, to, to their belief in God, okay? So to those people, he is saying, you need to take even more earnest heed of what you have heard now. Think about that for a second. That's saying a lot because, like, I, I look at myself and say, hey, you know, you need to take a more earnest heed of, of, of the New Testament than the Old Testament. I go like, oh, yeah, okay, sure. You know, that's no big deal. But when you talk about a, a people who, to even have the privilege of writing one line of scripture, how many of you have ever copied a scripture onto a piece of paper, right? Did you think anything of it? Was it a big deal at all? Did you go and change your clothing before you did it? Take a shower and, and then come and, and pray and then type it. And then you count the numbers of, of and, and you give like a numerical value to every single letter and add it up, including the spaces and do all that kind of stuff and write your margins and make sure that it's exactly the way it needs to be. Did you do any of that or did you just write it? 
okay? Well, to even have the privilege of writing one line of scripture down on a piece of parchment, a scribe, because those are the people, the only people who are allowed to do it, would have to memorize over 4,000 laws concerning the copying of the word of God. Did you know that? Were you aware of that? Do you see how devoutly religious these people are? They took their belief in God very, very seriously. And now we are being told, you must do even more so. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to be like every time, like you're not allowed to write in your Bible anymore or anything like that. But it's more taking heed. It's, it's taking these things and taking these truths and saying, yes, you know what? I believe they are true. And that belief should cause us to change. It should cause us to live as though we believe these things. Right? If somebody believed that they could fly, if they absolutely believed they could fly, what would you expect them to do? Jump off of something high, right? Hopefully over a body of water. But if not, well, their dream would end very quickly. Right? But, but in the end, if, if somebody truly believes something, you, you would see it in the evidence of who they were and their life. And so they're saying here, to these people who are so incredibly devoutly religious, he's saying, take even greater heed to what is being spoken now. That says a lot. Right, That is a huge statement that this author is saying to us now. And I know we as, as 21st century Gentile believers, you know, it, it, it was like, well, okay, yeah, I, I get that. But to these people, it would be like, what? You want me to do what? Like, this is an unheard of statement. Right? You've you got to be kidding me. We've already got the phylacteries. We've already got all these things. We've got all, all this stuff that we have to do. And now you want us to take even greater heed to, to the things that are being said now? Yes. Yes, absolutely, right? To them, the scriptures were absolutely holy. They were absolutely holy. And yet now, this author is saying, you need to pay even greater attention. You need to be more dedicated to these things that are being spoken. And we kind of see a little bit of evidence of this in Jesus himself. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, write it down. he, He said, for assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle. And by the way, a jot and a tittle, a jot is like a little comma. And a tittle is like, um, I don't know if you've ever seen like fancy, like fancy writing. And sometimes people will put like a little woo on the end of it. That's like a tittle, right? It's just, it's not even really part of the letter. It's just, it's like a decorative little peace on it okay he says but not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments talking about the old testament and teaches men uh, to do so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven for i say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the pharisees you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven Right, that's saying a lot, isn't it? That means take it seriously, right? And the scribes and the Pharisees, these were people who were completely dedicated to the word. The Pharisees, in order to get their position, they had to literally, what they would, the, the, kind of the concept, like the modern day Pharisee, what they, what they do after they graduate their school, they take a nail and they hammer it through their Old Testament scriptures, okay? Then they pull it out and they start opening and, and that person, they need to, this rabbi needs to be able to go through in every place where that hole went through, they need to be able to tell them what word was there. They need to be that familiar with the scriptures. And they, they got that kind of idea, that kind of training, that seriousness of their faith from the Pharisees. And Jews today call themselves modern-day Pharisees. They say, we get our identity from the Pharisees. 
right? That's who they believe they are. That they, they are the descendants of the Pharisees, right? They take it very serious. But Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds them, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven, right? We need to be mindful of the things which we believe. We need to be faithful to the things which we know about God. We, we just, we've read a whole bunch of incredible things about God in, in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, and, and we need to be mindful of these things. And not only that, but you know, the, the word of God is something that is powerful and we need to take it serious. Psalm 138, 2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Think about that. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Right? And yet the Bible says that God has exalted his word even above his name. Right? That is a powerful thing. Do we believe it? Is the word of God that important to us? Do we wake up every morning and look upon the scriptures and consider them? Do we take the things that we've read in the morning with us all day long and chew on them and think about them and meditate upon them? Do we take them with us and then bring them up to our coworkers or our family or our friends and say, hey, what do you think about this? Right? Do we, do we sometime maybe in the middle of the day take the time to, 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 to maybe... Go and, and have a moment of prayer before the Lord. And then do we complete our day with prayer and, and again, reading his word and, and meditating, allowing his word to cleanse us of the defilement that we, that we kind of got on ourselves from our day in the world? Do we do those things? Right? Because if the word of God is even greater than God's name, and God's name is so important to the Jewish people that they don't even say the name. If you talk to a Jewish person today and, and you say, if you try to say like Jehovah or Yahweh, they'll get mad at you. Because what they do is because they reverence the name so much, they just say the name. They don't want to say it. They, they, they don't want to take it in vain. And so they just say the name. Okay, do we reverence his word that much? Because he said, the Bible says that, they, that he, God, has exalted and magnified his word even above his holy name. Do we love his word? Do we spend time in his word? Do, do we wash ourselves with his word? He is telling them and us that as important as faithfulness to the Old Testament scripture was, it is even more important to reverence, to know, and to apply what has been revealed to us by his son, Jesus the Christ. Okay? If you don't think I, I'm, I'm on, the, on my rocker, right? If you don't think I, I've got this down right, let's just look at Revelation chapter 22. Verse 18 and 19 says, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And those of you who have studied Revelation know that that is a very serious statement. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. From the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. What is that saying? By removing portions of the scripture you are literally endangering your eternal destiny that's how serious the word is right that's how important the word of god is do we do we approach the word of god as something that is holy like a treasure if you guys found a diamond that big what would you do with it would you be like throwing it around hey kids hold this hey what do you think right hey buddy you want to look yeah go go show your wife take it go for it would you do that or would you be like, wow, 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 wow. You would hold it and you would cherish it. And like when, when, when like Livy says, daddy, can I hold it? No, 
You can't hold that. What are you talking about? Are you nuts? You know, it's like you, you would cherish it. You would, you would like, wow, you, you would protect it. Right? And it's just a piece of glass, basically, from crystal. But, you know, you know, in the end, does it have an eternal value at all? No. Do, do we treasure God's word more than gold and silver, which perish? Right? Do we treasure it more than rubies and diamonds? You should. You should. And he says that we, that's us, that we must do this. Why? Lest we drift away. Ooh, did you know that you can drift away? Have you ever thought about that? You know, my, my brother, he knew something about drifting. Uh, he and his buddy, uh, they were out on um, my brother's friend's boat, and they were um, lobster fishing, right? Dropped the hoop nets down there, and they are doing that, and, and the rope got caught up in, in the, the prop of the, of the boat, right? So it's like, oh, it's stuck. Well, then what happened is the, the current started drifting them towards the jetty. Okay, and they, they finally got pushed up onto that jetty and that boat was up onto the jetty and the, as the water started, you know, from the tide moving out, like this boat was stuck up on there and they're like, oh, what do we do, right? Drifting's not a good thing. They got, they got beached up on that thing. So they ended up having to jump into the cold water. It's nighttime, right? Middle of the night, further out than a, than a pier is and they had to swim back. Well, my brother's buddy ended up having a heart attack on the way in and died and my brother had, was literally pulling him in and um, almost died himself doing it, right? But see, that's what drifting does. Like we think, oh, you know, I'm just drifting. I'm just cruising right now. I don't have to take my, you know, my walk so serious right now. Like I'm just taking a break. You know what happens when you drift? You get beached and you get shipwrecked and somebody dies, right? You don't want to do that. That's not where we want to be. And we can drift from the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run but one receives the prize run in such a way that you may obtain it and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a perishable crown my cousin misty has a gold medal it's heavy too it's kind of fun to wear every once in a while right but you know it's a perishable crown right he goes but we for an imperishable crown right for eternal glory things that will last things that we can take with us he says, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, right? Not in a drifting kind of meandering way. He says, thus, I fought, fight not as one who beats the air. I'm not swinging at shadows. He says, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. That's the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul is saying that, hey, you know what? I subject, I subject my body. I discipline myself. Uh, you know, and, and he's talking about spiritual discipline, right? Because he, he's the one who even said that physical exercise profits a little, right? It's good to be in shape, but like, don't live to be in shape, right? I, I'm sorry, that's not what our lives should be about, right? But, but he is calling us. He, he, he is saying that, hey, guys, you know what? Even I can drift, Right, even I, I, you know, anybody ever feel like within you that it's like there's that part of you that's like, like if you don't stay focused and keep going, that it's really easy to like not do your devotion in the morning. It's really easy not to pray in the morning. It's really easy to allow other things to to kind of fill in the the gaps of your time in your day. Right, it's in all of us. But he's saying, you know what? We need to subject ourselves. We need to d- discipline ourselves that we, after we preach to others, because how many of you guys like you know, share the gospel with people from time to time? Quite a few of us, right? 
But in the end, even we who share the gospel with others can become a castaway, right? A cast off. We can drift away. And that's why this author to the Hebrews is saying, guys, we need to take more earnest things. As devoutly religious, as absolutely disciplined as the Jewish people were in their faith towards God, he says we need to be even more so, lest we drift away. He goes, for if the words spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Right? Uh, in both the books of uh, Acts and also in Galatians, there's, there's a mention of this, that the law and the prophets were given by angels. Right? It, it, was, it was a testimony where, where God spoke to his angels and then the angels came and delivered the message to prophets so long ago, to Moses, to, to, um, to, to all those, King David. Right? It, it was given by an angel. So it's basically, yeah, I, I, I was kind of thinking about this. Um, like, okay, how can I explain this? How, how can I explain this to make it make sense? Well, um, you, you guys know I got kids, right? Got a bunch of girls. And there, there'll be times... I won't say all the time, but all the time, um, that, you know, it's like our, our girls are dilly-dallying. We're trying to get them to go to bed or something like that. And it's like, okay, and usually, you know, Sarah, she's getting really responsible, kind of following right in her big sister's uh, footsteps. And, you know, she's really starting to, you know, be a, a great help to Heidi and I, you know, with, with her younger sisters. And I'll say to Sarah, Sarah, will you go tell Livy and Chloe to go get dressed and get ready for bed? And she'll say, yes, Daddy. And she'll go down there and she'll say, Livy, Chloe, you know, it, Daddy says to, to get ready for bed. And nine times out of ten, they'll keep goofing off, right? And, and it's basically, now, think about this. Sarah is going in my authority, right? She has my authority because I gave it to her. And so she's telling her sisters, she's conveying it to her sisters. And her sisters go like, eh, whatever, you're just Sarah. And they just kind of keep on doing their thing. And then when I come and I say, what are you guys doing? And I get the daddy voice going on, right? And I'm like, what are you doing? I thought I told you to go up. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, dude, I'm sorry. And, you know, they, they get like a little tongue lashing, and then, then they go running. Okay? That happens. That was like the law. Right? The law was, was, you know, God had given it to his messengers. His messengers uh, relayed it to his people. And his people said, eh, whatever. And, and they didn't follow it. And they got a tongue lashing. Well, they got a lot more than that. Right? They got 40 years in the wilderness. They got Babylonian captivity. They, they got a lot of other stuff, right? Plagued by the Assyrians and, and the Philistines and such. Okay? But nevertheless, the, uh, God had spoken and they did not heed. And so they got in trouble. Now, the same thing. Let, let's say that now I come downstairs and I walk down there and I say, Sarah, Livy, Chloe, get upstairs, brush your hair, brush your teeth, get your jammies on and get into bed. And they just started, they ignore me and they just like, whatever. And they go that, are they going to be in more trouble, the same trouble or less trouble than when I sent Sarah to do it? More. Why? What's the difference? It's still my same command. But now see what they're doing, that there's a greater disrespect because now they are seeing their father face to face and they're literally just saying like, whatever, right? It's, it's direct disobedience to, directly to me, to my face. They're saying, you know what? I don't care what you say. I'm going to keep playing. And so, yes, they will get a greater punishment for directly disobeying me. Now, sometimes I, I just kind of down there. If I told it to Sarah and they didn't listen, I'll say, girls, do what Sarah said. I told her, so get upstairs. And then they go running upstairs. But if I come down or if Heidi comes down, even worse if it's Heidi, right? If, if, if we come down the stairs and we tell them to do something and they don't do it, man, they're going to get in trouble. 
right? Because it is very disrespectful for them to do that to their parents, right? And in the same sense, that that's exactly what's going on here. We need to make sure that, you know, in the same way that, you know, the, the Old Testament covenant that was conveyed by the angels, right? And we, we see it here. It's like, you know, it proves steadfast and every transgression met with, you know, punishment and or, you know, the just reward. But we now, having heard from the Son of God himself, this isn't an angel who spoke. Jesus himself came and spoke. It's like me coming to my children face to face, right? How would we escape punishment? How would we escape the, 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 the righteous requirements of, of, of what Jesus has set in the New Testament, of the new covenant, if we turn away and ignore Right? It would be a greater disrespect, especially considering what it took for him to establish that covenant. Right? It's greater disrespect. So how can we, how shall we escape if we neglect or ignore so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? See, Jesus came himself, right? He began his ministry saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he continued on and he shared the gospel all the way up until his death and even from the cross sharing the gospel. Right, and then it was confirmed uh, by um, his disciples. Right, his apostles followed after him and confirmed, saying, "Yes, these things we bear witness to. These things we heard him say, we touched. Right, we we spoke with him. We saw these things. Right, so the apostles have confirmed these things with us. And then not only that, but it says God also bore witness." How did God the Father bear witness to the gospel that Jesus Christ spoke? That we can know that this was the authoritative word of God that Jesus spoke, that this indeed was the gospel that was, that was uh, prophesied you know, thousands of years before. God did bear witness with signs and wonders and with various miracles. Think about this. When Jesus went out preaching the gospel, did he just preach like, you know, Muhammad went out and preached? Right? What, what separates Jesus from Muhammad, right? Is there anything that separates Jesus from Muhammad? Well, yeah, there's a lot of things. Number one, um, he, he, he said that he was going to go to his death. He prophesied things that came true, right? He, you know, he said that he was going to die. He was going to raise three days later. He prophesied the destruction of uh, the temple, which came true in 70 AD. He prophesied things. He told the future in advance, right? He talked about that he was going to be crucified, right, before he had even been charged, Right? He, he, he predicted the future, how? Through the word of God. He fulfilled prophecy. There's some 300 prophecies that were fulfilled in his life. Right? So again, you know, even just the fulfillment of scripture, but not only that, but then God also came and did all these miracles before him, right? The, the deaf heard the, see, the, the blind see, the lame walk, um, the dead are raised, the lepers are healed. You know, the gospel is preached. He walks on water. He calms storms. He casts out demons. He does all these things. He has authority, and it shows. So God is confirming the word that he is speaking through these various miracles, right? God has borne witness. Um, I, I like this in Matthew chapter 11, if you want to flip back there. Uh, this is uh, John the Baptist. In verse 2, it says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ... So John's in prison, a little upset that he's there, right? But he hears about the works of Christ, so he sends two of his disciples, and he said to Jesus, are you the coming one, are you the Christ, or do we look for another? And I love the way Jesus answers. He says, and Jesus answered to him and said, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. 
the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Right? When John was asking, are you really the Messiah? Jesus said, hey, just look at the works. Right? Look at how God is confirming what I am doing in the message that I am preaching. Right, guys, we need to understand that God the Father confirmed these things. Right? Not just the apostles, but the apostles also. But God himself confirmed these things. And not only that, but there's one more thing. Did, did you see this last one? And gifts of the Holy Spirit. Huh. That's kind of interesting. When were the gifts given? At the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right? And then Jesus came to them and he breathed on them. And it says the Holy Spirit entered into them. Right? And, and then from that point, from the birth of the church, Pentecost, right? The, the Holy Spirit came and he gave gifts to them. And so here's the thing. Any of you guys know what your spiritual gift is? Because every single believer who has Christ in his heart, who has given his heart to Jesus, has a, at least one spiritual gift. You know that? And it's given for the edification, the building up, the repairing, the strengthening of the church. So every single one of us has a gift. And guess what? When you use your gift, let's let's say that you have a gift of teaching. And you're back there and you're teaching the kids in the children's ministry. Or you're teaching the women here. You're teaching the men here. Right? You're teaching a home Bible study. And you're using that gift of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? That gift being used is confirmation of what Jesus did and what he said. Right? What God is doing in you. Have ever seen a gift of healing? Right? Ever seen anything like that? You know, ever seen a, 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 very, a kind of like a miscellaneous miracle? Right? Yes. And, and those things, each one of those things, even to the present day, continue to confirm what, by God, what Jesus did. Right? They continue to confirm. Anybody here ever seen the movie Faith Like Potatoes? Right? Great movie. Probably my favorite Christian movie. That, that I've ever watched. It's a fantastic movie. It's based on a true story. And I remember the, the lady who got struck by lightning, right? He had been preaching the gospel to all of the people that all of his hired uh, helpers and all that kind of stuff. And, and finally, this <laughs> lightning struck one of their um, one of their huts. And you know, but I think like four or five women got struck. The others were okay. One died. And so they came running up to his house saying, "Hey, you know, we need you to come. You need to come. You know, you preach God. Come, come, come." And so then he came because he had been telling them all the miracles that God can do because he's trying to evangelize them. And so he, he pulls up and he's like, what happened? And they go, and they're just pointing inside the hut. And so he goes, he walks inside there and there's a dead woman smoking, right? And he's like, they're like, you preach God. You said God has power. And it's like, oh, and so he walked over there and it's like, if you read, if you watch the commentary after the, the documentary after the movie, even better because it gives more detail on this. And he literally went in there and he's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so he's like, well, and so he knelt down and he prayed and then he grabbed her and he lifted her up on her feet and she opened her eyes. And you know what? All those people in that village, what'd they do? They all, one by one, started giving their hearts to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Jesus. They, and they were, they were true believers, right? Because the miracles that happen even today bear witness of what Christ spoke and preached years and years ago, right? So guys, do you believe it? Right? I've asked you that question before, and I'm going to continue asking it because it's important. Because I need to ask you guys, do you believe these things? Have you experienced the supernatural? Have you tasted and seen that the word of God is indeed that? It's the word of God. It is true and it is real and it is beautiful and it is life. 
if you believe these things, then ought we not to take more earnest heed of them? Right? That, that's, that's what the, the message tonight is about. Right? If these things be so, then what sort of people, what sort of men, and what sort of women ought we to be? Right? If this is true, if Jesus really is the Messiah, and he really did die to save us from our sins, and there really is a very real place called heaven, and there is a very real place called Gehenna, or the lake of fire, or hell... And if these things are true, then what ought we to do? Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. For in these two, all of the law and all of the prophets hang. Right? Jesus says, a new commandment give I unto thee. Love. Right? Love. Now you think, wait a second, is that an old commandment? Yes, but he's saying, hey, this is the covenant now. Before it was part, it's like, hey, you know, this is within the law, but now the covenant is to love, right? To love God and to love each other, right? Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciple by your love. So let me ask you, is there anybody here that has anything in their heart, maybe bitter towards a family member? angry at a co-worker, somebody that you're holding a grudge against, somebody that you're just like, oh, you know what, I'm never going to talk to them again. And if I ever see them, I'm going to slap them in the face. Right? Anything like that at all? Well, you know what? That's not what we're called to be. That's not who we're called to be. And to quote Casper Ten Boom, awesome guy, wow. When your heart dies for somebody, that's the time when you pray to Jesus and say, Jesus, please give me your heart for them so I can love them through your heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this evening, for this word. Lord, what sort of men and what sort of women ought we to be? Lord, and you have told us in your word, ones who do justly, who love mercy and walk humbly, Lord, men who love, women who love. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to have that conviction burning deep inside our hearts, Lord, that we would live for truth. For, Lord, it is only your truth that matters. Everything else is going to burn. Everything else is going to fade. All my treasures will pass away. But you remain. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would just light your church on fire, Lord. Burn away the wood, hay, and the stubble, Lord. Refine us, Lord, that we might walk in your truth and that people might know that you live because you're alive in us. We love you with all of our hearts, Lord Jesus. We take you at, our, at your word, Lord, and we will walk according to it. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.